Welcome to this week's episode of Jujitero's Coast to Coast, the podcast that talks about what's important on and off the mats. On this week's episode, I have a banger of an interview for you, Jujiteros. The legend, Mr. Razor, Rob McCullough. Fighting out of the red corner, the Muay Thai style fighter. At five feet, eight inches tall, he too weighs in at an official 155 solid and ready pounds. Fighting out of Huntington Beach, California, he is the reigning and defending WEC lightweight champion of the world, Razor Today, I'd like to welcome former WEC lightweight champion, former K1, former Dream MMA and Bellator veteran, Mr. Razor Rob McCullough. Rob, welcome to the Jujitero neighborhood. How you doing this afternoon, brother? Good, man. Good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I can't believe I got you on our podcast talking to you. You have no idea how stoked me and the boys would be when we would see your name on a card because we were we knew you were going to come to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And you never came with bubblegum, bro. You always came to kick ass. Uh, your style was electric, bro. We love watching you just stalk down your, your opponents, march them right down, and just those killer combos you had, man. Did you have a, a favorite combo that you like to throw back in the day? Yeah, I, I think it started with me uh, me hitting it with a jab, throwing one right down the pipe, and then kicking the inside leg kick and falling it with like a big overhand right. That was typically what I would catch people with. Right on. Yeah, that, that's like the three-piece combo you hit Olaf with. That's one of our favorites, yeah. man. It's that right hand, and then you went to the body with that leg kick, and then that overhand right just took him to the netherworld, man. And he had he was still <laughs> awake. I had no idea how he was still awake, but I guess he was just staring at you, waiting for a couple more shots from you. Yeah. You know what's funny, too, is that fight particularly, the, the WEC at the time, he was like their poster boy. The guy was tough. He was, you know – he was awkward. He had a, he had a really uh, different style too. So he you know he tried to grapple. He tried to brawl. He was bigger for fifty for one fifty five. Um, it was funny because I I had been fighting in that organization. I fought in like WC number two, and one of my fights we shared a uh, a warm up area in the back. It was like in Fresno or Lemoore, California, and uh, it was a really small little warm up area. And I remember he was walking around in the back talking all this smack like he was super bad. And I was like, Who's, who is this dude? And he was like, no one wants to fight me, man, blah, blah, blah. And he was like wearing like sweatpants. And I was like, dude, this dude looks like like a jacked up Jesus, dude. And and I, I was like, whatever. I had my own thing. I, I, had, you know, I had my fight coming on deck. And then uh, one of my training partners who, uh, dude, the guy's, the guy's a stud. Randy Bowers was his name. He uh, he fought Olaf and he, arm, he Olaf armbarred him. And my boy is a sick grappler. So I was just like, Oh my God. No, I really hate that guy. So I made it like a personal vengeance to destroy that dude. <laughs> oh, no doubt, dude. You ended his career, man. Cause I think after that, every time he fought, he would just get knocked out cold. Yeah. He turned it, he turned into like, they're like, Oh, Hey, if you want to make a highlight reel, get this dude. Yeah. Yeah. He got chinny after that. Oh. Yeah. This is the motivation. <laughs> Rob, we always start our interviews with this staple question here. So my listeners want to know, do you have a favorite martial arts movie 
or action movie that kind of motivated you to get into martial arts or motivated you to kick ass? Oh, man. I grew up in the Van Damme, Chuck Norris era. I mean, there were Steven Seagal movies, but he always ended up pulling out knives and guns and stuff. So, um, dude, I don't know. I, I was all about Van Damage at one point. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt, man. We were all on that train for sure. Oh, bro. Yeah. I, I mean, right. I like Chuck Norris too. Jet, I like Jet Li, but uh, I think Van Damme was the dude. Yeah, yeah, man. He had he had some killers, man. The late 80s, early 90s, that was his jam, dude. He was at his peak. I remember it was a bunch of me and my homies, and we went to watch uh, we watched it at the movie theater. And on the way back, we were like jumping, trying to cry to kick all those like trash bags, and like uh, there was like shopping carts on our way home from the, from the movie theater. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Oh man! As long as no one gets hurt, it's all fun and games, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Rob, you fought everywhere, bro, from K1, WEC, Tachi Palace Fighting, Bellator, uh, but everyone's got to start somewhere, right? What was yeah. your first taste of combat, and when did you know that you wanted to make a career out of it? Um, God, you know, I mean, that's that that could be a really long-winded answer to you, but just to give you to, like, I started, uh, I started a gym called LA Boxing. It was in Costa Mesa, California. It was the original one. My buddy was like, and I was living at my buddy's house. We were in high school. And he goes, hey, bro, I drove my mom to school. And there's this gym right by the freeway. I went inside, they got weights and they got like bags and stuff. And I was like, cool, let's go down there. So I went down there to lift weights. And then one of the guys was like, hey, man, you want to jump in a class? And I was like, uh, and he wrapped my hands. And I remember wrapping my hands. I felt so tough. I was just like, oh, man, I, <laughs> my hands before. I hit the bag. And the, the guy that was teaching the class was like, Hey kid, you got a good kick. And I was like, uh, I'm gonna be a world champ, dude. Like I just didn't let it go. So kept coming back. Eventually they're like, hey, you gotta you gotta get a gym membership, man. Like, you know, we go try to figure something out, you know, like hundred bucks or something. The, the owner's not here. So I was like, okay, I'll figure it out, dude. Um they opened another one in Huntington Beach, uh, like a year or two later. And I started training a little bit here and there with, with a guy named Mauricio Castillo. He was from Brazil. He came with Clever Luciano, who was a Brazilian just a black belt. He's still here locally and Huntington Beach, and uh, they didn't speak any English, so um, <laughs> I broken Spanish here and there. So I, I was like, all right, "All right, hey guys," he would go teach, and then I would kind of explain what he was saying in details. And so one of the guys was like, "Hey, bro, you want to teach the class?" Because I've been te I taught three classes in a row, and I was like, "Bro, I was about to take the class." And he's like, "Bro, here's twenty bucks." And I was like, "I'll take twenty bucks." <laughs> so I started teaching the class, and then uh, shortly after that, I ended up opening the gym at like nine a.m. and a guy came in. Um, Freddie Madrona and his dad, and he was the California State Kickboxing Champion. I don't know if it was ISKA at the time. And his dad looked around, and goes, "Hey, man, you have any sparring for my kid?" And I was working the front desk. There was no one in there. It was a Saturday morning. I think I was hungover, and I go, oh. "I'll spar with your kid." And dude, this is like the late '90s. He had this huge video camera back in the day. Remember, the video cameras weren't like yes, the big old VHS tapes. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, "Can I? Uh, can I tape it?" And I go, yeah, go ahead, man. So I put on shin pads, <laughs> I put on gloves and wraps. We jump in. I think back now, he was just toying with me. He was, you know, managing distance. He was throwing jabs, inside leg kicks. And I kept like trying to lunge in and hit him with big overhand rights. And it was fun. He was super, it was all real respectful. We got done. The dad goes, what'd you think, man? And I go, dude, that was fun. And he pulls out Freddie's belt. He had this championship belt. And he goes, this is Freddie's. And I'm like, oh, no way, man. And he goes, you want to, do you want to fight? So I was like, yeah, man, I want to fight. This is 1995. 
So he goes, keep training, bro. We'll come. We'll get you a fight like a month. So my very wow. first fight, it was a smoker fight. It was uh, it was with Freddie Madrano and his dad. And it was in La Puente for uh, John McVale, who was a kickboxing guy locally in La Puente. Got a lot of guys, a lot of kickboxers. John Wayne Parr, uh, you know, that at one point was there training with him. Holy um, smokes. Yeah. And, and I fought. It was in a church. And it was a smoker fight. Oh. So here in chin pads. And I, it, it was in a church. Was, yeah, it was in a church. It was in a church. It was <laughs> random. The dude I fought, his name was David Blocker, which I'll never forget because I'm like, all right. And he did like Taekwondo and stuff. So he's like stretching and doing jump kicks before we fight. And people when they're like watching, I'm like, this dude's pretty good. And it happened to be his birthday. Oh. So I'm like, go figure I'm finding this dude on his birthday. So I, I ended up, we had scrapping. And I remember it was really slippery. I had on like these oversized booties on my feet and like not booties, but like shin pads or like soccer shin pads. And the bottom was covering my feet. So it was really slippery. And, uh, I won, I won a decision and Freddie's dad goes, what did you think, bro? And I said, dude, that was a lot of fun. He goes, you want to fight? And I go, yeah, and he goes, I'll get you another fight. And my next fight I fought in uh, Las Vegas at the four Queens with eight ounce boxing gloves against one of master Toddy's guys. And that was, that was it. I got a hundred bucks and I was like, dude, I'm gonna do this forever. This is awesome. Wow. Was, so you did literally- 97. Damn, so you like jumped in from the front desk to the pro ranks pretty much like within a month. Well, it was it was it, it seemed like it, but I mean it was like it was like a year two of training. When I say training, it was like going with my buddy to the gym to hit the bag. And then the, the we went to a gym called Brazilian Martial Arts and they did 90 minutes of jiu-jitsu, they did an hour of Thai boxing, and it was at the end of the class, you had a spar. And so I was like, all right, and I was the smallest dude in the Oh, I didn't lose you. So, so being the smallest dude in the class, everybody else was like these juiced up bouncer guys because USC oh. doesn't come out, right? Uh-huh. And at the end, he's like, all right, uh, you go with that guy. I'm like, okay. So I just put my head down and threw overhands and kicked the leg. Well, you're getting kicked in the leg with no shin pads. Sucks. So yeah. dudes are like, hey, bro, I'm not going with the little guy pointing at me. I'm not going with the little <laughs> guy because my leg is still messed up. And I'm like, dude, I'm on something. So that kind of started it. And then I just... I had like this burning desire to do something with my life other than like, you know, <laughs> wait tables and deliver pizzas. Yeah. So. Oh man. So speaking of late kicks, man, one of my, one of the, our hosts, one of my buddies loves to call you the Jose Aldo before Jose <laughs> Aldo. Cause you had them killer late kicks that would just rock people's legs, man. That you could, you could see them change their stances. You could see them back up. You could see the look on their faces when they're like, oh, shit, this, I did not expect this. Uh, were there any fighters that you emulated or that you looked up to when you were fighting back in the day? You know, what's funny is, yes, there, there was. Um, there wasn't a lot of dudes that I was like, oh, yeah, especially when it started coming to MMA until later on. Um, Ernesto Hoost. Ernesto oh, Hoost man. was, was uh, a, Dutch, a Dutch fighter. He came from the Voss gym. And the Netherlands, and he would put together he would put together these combos where he was so smooth the head movement and the punches that he'd hit you with like a one two three to the body, and then you would hammer a leg kick on the end of every combo. And I was like, dude, that's what it's like. And I think back, I played that game Street Fighter, and I <laughs> I wasn't like a real big gamer, but I remember we would play it, and then we we played at the arcade. Dudes would actually fight each other that they thought you were cheating. So I got <laughs> in a few scraps. So I'd always button mash. Like, ah, da, 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 da. And that's kind of kind of how I ended up starting to get to emulate that style. Just like, I'm just trying to go after that leg and try to hit you with big shots. Um, it was kind of funny. But yeah, I think Ernesto Hoos was the guy who kind of got me 
think about like, hey, you can you can do you move your head, you can be slick with the, the hands. If they run into a punch and you knock them down, awesome. But they're gonna get worn out with the leg kicks and that kind of became a signature thing. Oh yeah, man. Signature for sure, no doubt, man. That's one of the things we remember the most. Um, they say that iron sharpens iron, and you were part of one of the premier MMA fight teams, man. One of our favorites, Team Punishment. Uh, what do you remember about those early team punishment training camps? And did you have a favorite training partner to train with on the team back then? Oh, man. Um, dude, it was awesome. I, I didn't really realize it at the time, but we were really, you know, we were the foundation to a, a, a sport that became literally the world's biggest sport. And Tito at the time, Tito and I went to high school together. I was oh, literally cool. living at my buddy's house. I was sleeping on his couch and Tito was dating his sister, my buddy's sister. So he would come over. And he's like, yeah, this is Rob. What's this team? I was like, what's up, dude? I wrestled literally in sixth grade for one season. And I wasn't very good. But I understood how to sit out, hand control, shoot, and all that stuff. And my buddy, mind you, now we're like freshmen in high school. My buddy's like, hey, dude, Tito, Rob used to wrestle, blah, blah, blah. And Tito's like, I'm trying to put together this team of guys to, uh, I forget what it was, the LA Games or something like that. It was a wrestling thing. And so my buddy, while he's telling Tito, tries to take me down in his living room, like on the carpet. And I'm like, <laughs> Bro, not happening. So, like, we start going at it, and uh, Tito's like, hey, bro. And after that, he was kind of like, hey, bro, like, you got some moves, dude. That's cool. You should, like, come train with us. And I was like, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. But this is the validation from Tito because he was a big dude in high school, too. And he was a bad – he beat the shit out of dudes all the time. <laughs> he was always cool with me. Um, that, that, to me, was kind of like, all right, all right, cool. I'm cool. But when we started, when we started training together, um, he, was going, he goes, I'm supposed to fight in, uh, in Japan. Because I want to learn that stand-up stuff. Because I was in, I was in, I had a bunch of clients that I was training at the gym, and I taught most of all the kickboxing classes. So he was like, "Bro, I want to get that stand-up stuff." I was like, "Bro, I'll spar with you whenever you want." So then I'm like, well, "Where do you run? Do you run?" So I ran like five miles every night in the sand at the beach. He's like, "I'm not really running." I go, well, "Dude, I got this this little pass." So we started training together, and then uh, he won the belt in Japan. I'm trying to remember. I think he fought Vanderlei Silva for it. He won the belt. He thanked he thanked me when he was doing his little his uh his post fight. And, nice. and after that, people were just like, dude, who's this Rob? Like, who's this Razor Rob guy? And I was already fighting locally on the local circuit, but it kind of blew up my spot, which was cool. Nice. Um, yeah. And you know what I mean? I was just like, he didn't have to do that. And that was cool. So, you know, he, people started coming to train with him. Uh, we trained with Dan Henderson and his whole crew. Chuck Liddell came with, uh, with what was his name? Scott. Uh, God, he was like the president of the WC for a while. Coker? Um, yeah, no, not Scott Coger. God, I'm trying to remember his name. Scott, he'll come to me. Um, but there was everybody came to train with Tito because he was the champ. Um, Rampage came with Rampage came with all of us too from the beginning. So it was cool because I, I had all these guys, and most of the dudes had training partners that followed along with them. And like literally, they were sleeping in their cars in the parking lot. Like Chuck, Dang. Chuck was sleeping in the parking lot in his car in his Chevy S10 with like a broken windshield. I remember Jason Miller came from Atlanta. He was sleeping in his van in the parking lot. So we had all these dudes, and at the time, it was just all of us trying to figure out how to get how to get as good as the other guy. Everyone wanted to do stand up with me because I had these leg kicks, and I was, you know, I had footwork, and then I was trying to do, you know, oh yeah, well, I thought myself was the best. Hey, dude, my stand up's good. Like I can stand with people. Well, there was wrestlers, right? My wrestling's the best. I'll just take it down, right? So it was a matter of like who thought they were the better and who what you could pick up from these guys. I think it was just a mix. It was a mixture of like. Hold on, that noise is bugging me. Hold on. Ah, oh, no worries, no worries. <laughs> we got a cat, and he's oh. like, he gets he gets kind of fussy. He's like, "Hey, bro, open the door." 
<laughs> I got three dogs. I know that world too well. <laughs> um, I don't know. I say favorite training partners. I had, I had, a, I had some, some, some solid ride or die dudes. Um, Tiki Gosson was my, one of my favorite training partners. We started kind of together. Um, she said to me, bro, I'm going to, I want to open a gym one day. And I was like, that's, that sounds lame. I want to be a world champ. And thank God he did. Cause that to this day, we still got a gym up and running for 22 years. Dang. And that, that always gave us a place to go back to, uh, you know, hone our skills. Maybe it was like to, to lick our wounds. If it was after a fight and sit back and go, okay, what did we do wrong? What do we need to fix? Or it was just a place of like, Hey dude, I always kind of looked at us. I was a coach. Not the fighting part of it was just like, Hey, I think I'm really good at this. And I think I want to show my students. This is what I like to do. So I just kept, it kept kind of kept escalating from like this small circuit to the, you know, to we're in fighting in Vegas and I'm at the Bellagio or I'm at these, you know, these, these big events. And then I'm fighting overseas. Then I'm training that places. So it became like this huge thing where Tito kept saying, bro, if you're going to do this and you want to make money, he goes, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to cross it over and start doing no rules. That's what uh -huh. they call it, no rules fighting. He's like, I don't think the money's in the kickboxing. And I'm like, well, I don't know, dude. I love kickboxing. I'm not too much of the grappling parts. It's all right. But he goes, I'm telling you, it's going to be a sport of the future. And he kept telling me that. Wow. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. And so finally he's like, I read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was a good book. Um, it was perfect timing because, you know, like one door closes, another one opens. I'd been dating this girl for like five years. We lived together. She trained with me all the time. She's a badass. Um, we, we broke up. We broke oh. up. She took everything. She took everything. Oh. She's like, hey, dude, I'm leaving. I'm like, you're not really leaving. She moved out while I was at the gym. I was like, oh, no. Oh. But she left her computer, and she left, like, some stuff. My buddy's mom left that book. And she was like, hey, I want you to read this book. It's a cool book. And I wasn't really Mr. Avid Reader guy by any means. Like, and I was like, oh, studious. So I'm sitting there. It's quiet. She used to make my chickens to make dinner and stuff. And I'm like, okay, all right, well, I had a lot of free time. So what I put that into was my gym. I put that back in more and crafting my technique and getting better at it. Um, she left a computer and I didn't have one at the time. So I started logging in and it was funny because I made fun of all the guys at the gym for my space, but <laughs> I used, I was able to leverage social media unbeknownst to me that that's how it would really work. But you know, Hey dude, I'm fighting this weekend. I'm doing selling tickets. I've only got a few left, you know, I got sponsorships uh, for my shirts and those started at like a couple hundred bucks. And then the next thing you know, I'm selling for, five grand for six, six, six inches, 12 grand, you know, or for 12 inches, it's 10 grand. And dude, it just, so that was, that was something that I was like super fortunate, I guess, right timing, right, right place. The, the it started to really pay off. And then by the time that, uh, UFC took over and it was like, Hey, we're no more sponsors and stuff. I was just like probably my last fight. Ah. Uh -huh. So it was yeah, kind of, it was fortunate, yeah, because there was a lot of money coming from sponsorships when you weren't fighting and when you were, because you could wear their stuff on TV. Yeah, that was cool, man. I I like all that. I I don't know why they. I mean, I I know why they did away with that, but that's too bad that they did that. I'm glad that Bellator still allows it, though. Yeah, yeah. You see, you see, guys. There's there's a lot more opportunities now, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Hey, Rob, sticking, still talking about your fight career. Did you ever have a bad weight cut? And if you did, what did you learn from it? Um, God, yeah, I, I made I made weight every fight. That was one part that I made. Like, hey, dude, that, that's how I looked at it. I got paid to cut weight. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I ever remember you having any issues making weight at all. 
I got paid to cut weight. The rest of it was to me, the fight part was the fun part. I was like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to scrap and not go to jail. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. <laughs> and they're going to pay me on top of it. I was like, oh, right on. Um, I, I had some that weren't too good. I, I went to, uh, I fought Donald Cerrone and it was in Miami. Yeah. Fort Lauderdale, Miami. And I had allocated enough time, like a couple hours. Cause I knew it was gonna be over by a little bit. I was like a couple hours to get in there to cut weight, to hang out. If I had to take a sip of some stuff, it would be good. Well, my training, my, my corner guys that I flew out there on my dime, they were like, yeah, dude. They went down and they partied in Miami, ended up at some club. And they're like, yeah. Well, they slept in. So by the time I, I had really crunched my weight cut time, and I was so pissed. So I'm in there. I'm trying to cut weight. And uh, it was kind of funny. I, I read this book years later called Emotional Intelligence 2.0 was the book. And uh, I think about that's kind of what got me there is, is uh, I go to do the weight cut. I feel like shit, but I'm like, whatever. And usually most, apparently I'm the most popular guy and everyone wants to call me um, <laughs> during the wake up. I would get, I would get, you know, I'd go run and stuff with plastics. Try to do that. Well, everyone's like, let's just do sit in the tub. We'll put alcohol in the tub. I'm like, let's not try new stuff. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I mean, so they're trying to get it off without me exerting a lot of energy, which sounds great. But I was like, is this the tried and true method? Like, oh, yeah. So I'm laying down. They're trying to get me like a mummy. Oh, you still got a half a pound. So I'm like, dude. So I go in and the doctor says, eh, Dr. Bob. And I go, Bob, my name's Rob. My dad's Bob. <laughs> Dr. Bob, Rob. So I create this like, you know, we're trying to be buddy-buddy with the guy. And he's like, this stethoscope. And he's like, uh-huh. And he goes, did you do a lot of cardio? Which was a was which was an, a question I I got a lot when you cut a lot of weight. Do you do you uh, do a lot of cardio? Like if you did a lot of conditioning, your blood pressure and your heartbeats come down. So I said, yeah. And the guy's looking at it, and he looks at me, and he goes, "You're severely dehydrated." He was like, "I don't think I can pass you." Oh, and I, I'm like, I look at him and I go, "Oh, come on, Bob, Rob, come on." I'm trying to get him, I'm trying to get him like. Come on, man. <laughs> like, I'm good, yeah. bro. I'm good. And he takes the stethoscope off. He looks at me. He puts his fingers down and he goes, okay, but you need to rehydrate immediately. So I was like, Whoa, thanks, Doc. That was close. Thanks. Yeah, so I come out and I'm like standing there. And Donald Cerrone walks over and gives me some watermelon. <laughs> he goes, hey, man, here you go. And he was being so, he was being super nice. And I was just in the mindset of like, I'm going to kill this dude. Yeah. The night, the night before he came up to me, he was like, hey, bro, I'm a big fan. And I'm like, like ma- looking at him like mad dogging him. He shakes my hand. He goes, I'm a big fan, bro. Hopefully we'll get fight at night. And I'm like, oh, we're going to get fight at night. Don't worry, bro. And they go, thanks, dude. <laughs> He's like, bro, you know, it's super cool. I'm honored. And I'm like, and I walked off. He was with Greg Jackson. I'm like, dude, fuck that. Why is he being so nice to me? Fuck but he's, he's, a, he's a good dude. He's a really good dude. It was funny because it was like at that level where it's like, hey, dude, dudes aren't trying to mad dog you at this point. Dudes are super yeah. nice to you because they know they're like, they're that good in their skill set that they're like, all right, bro. So, ultimate confidence right there yeah right um so if you watch that fight it was like it was up for like fight of the year at the time i think it was like 2000 or 2008 or something um it was awesome it was it was fun he was he is a he's a true warrior if you do this for a living you know what i mean you, you want to sit back and go yeah i fought i fought and beat all these dudes and like who are the dudes well they're nobody's but yeah that, that, that i want to fight the best yeah I wanna, you're gonna say your skill set is the best so that dude that dude was a G. He had he had the reach on me by quite a bit. I hit him and dropped him with the first shot. And I was like, 
all right, but I'd watched a lot of video and I knew that like he pulled back, he pulled back and let dudes overcommit and he'd triangle them. So I was like, I'm not getting past this dude. I'm going to drop this dude and I'm going to let him get back up and just like, I'm going to make him try to bang this fight out. And I knew my jujitsu defense was pretty slick. My training partners were all black belts. They were good dudes. And I was like, all right, bro, I'm, you're going to fight my fight. However, towards the end of it, I was just like, oh my God, he got me to triangle at one point. I escaped. And after that, I was kind of like, Ugh. I don't know. he was trying, he was trying to go for stuff. And I was like, ah, hitting all of that up and down. It kind of, it kind of got me to the point where I was like, blah. It was fun though. And that was probably one yeah. of the best. Yeah, that was a three-round <laughs> war, man. That was so fun to watch, Rob. I'm, I just rewatched it again the other day. I was like, holy shit, man. You guys were going at it. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was fun. And if you watch it and you start, like, really start watching it, like in between the rounds, we like, high-five each other. I was like, hey, good job, dude. And we both get up and walk back to our corners. Dang. And then we're like trying to kill each other in between. <laughs> yeah. Rob, so – I was speaking of rewatching fights. I rewatched the Olaf fight again, and I watched it from the beginning to the end. And in the initial meetup, when you guys face, uh, when the ref calls you guys out from your corners, he looks so much bigger. I was like, there's no freaking way he's anywhere near 155. Where do you think he was was at by the time he got into the cage? He was probably 170, dude. Yeah, he was bigger. Yeah, he was bigger. Yeah. So, Fighting people like that, I mean, I'm sure that wasn't the first time that you got into the cage with someone and someone was that much bigger than you. Did you ever have any self-doubt or any insecurities come fight day? And if you did, how did you overcome them? No, you know, it's funny. I've got that question posed to me a few times now, like in interviews and stuff. Like, And I'm like, well, it never really dawned on me. It never, it wasn't something that I thought about because I trained really hard. Yeah. And that sounds like I'm trying to be cocky almost, but dude, that I lived and breathed and that's all I did. I was at the gym in the morning training people in between me training other people in martial arts and striking and everything else I was doing. I was training myself and literally I, I, I felt like I got the, the edge on people because on my birthday, I was, I was 21. I was running, training for a fight and I was thinking, Man, you know, most, most people right now are out getting drunk and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat some people's faces in, and I kept yeah. doing that all through high school too. People were like, "Hey man, we're gonna go, you know, we're gonna go buy some some beers and blah blah blah. We're gonna party." And I'm like, "Cool, is there gonna be chicks there?" And they're like, "Yeah." And I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go run, and then I'll meet up with you guys." And they're like, "Why are you gonna go run?" And I'm like, "It's gonna pay off." Yeah. And I just had that like that mindset of like, "Hey dude, it's gonna pay off." So I didn't. It was weird towards the end of my career when I fought like Aoki in Japan. I remember thinking like, eh, I had had, a, I had just had a child. I, I was a homeowner. Um, I remember walking out and I was, the last thing on my mind was I wasn't scared, didn't have any nerves. I was just like, this is irritated. Then they messed up my hair, walking out. I'm like, really, dude? And they had told me that I wasn't going to fight. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you're not going to fight. You can just go as a guest now. And I was like, what? I'm like, you guys are playing stupid games. I flew all the way here, cut weight. I'm like, ah. Oh. So that, that to me just kind of put a really bad taste in my mouth. And I was like, oh, dude, come on. So you hear about like being, you know, a, a, a CD, you know, there's a bad part of fighting. I was like, oh, dude, like I got a kid now. I got like, I got real bills and adult problems here. Yeah. So that part of it kind of started to go, uh. Maybe it was time to make a move, huh? Yeah, I, I got, I got, uh, I got a proposition. Hey man, you started at LA Boxing as a kid. And I said, yeah, dude, the guy, the guy guy bought LA boxing and franchised it across the United States. And I, every time I go somewhere, I'd see him out like backstage at a concert or the VIP section, some cool club. So I was always like, Oh, what's up, Anthony? How are you doing, bro? And I'd shake his hand. So I was at a kid's birthday party and this was before uh, I ended up fighting. 
in or my last like couple fights. I I'd love for you. He gives me his business card. I'd love for you to uh, come, you know, work for us as a director of instructor training. And I'm like, bro, I fight for a living. I, was like, <laughs> I appreciate it. I make, you know, I make a good living. He's yeah, you can't do that forever. And it, that did, didn't even make sense to me. I'm like, can't do, can't do it forever. So now I'm thinking, is this guy being disrespectful to me? What's that supposed to mean? I was like 32. And I'm like, what? So it didn't make the connection. Like, Hey dude, as a professional athlete, you got to be really conscious of like an exit strategy. And the fact that like you're one injury away from being a dishwasher, if you don't have a skill set sure. to follow or you're yeah. one injury or you're one loss. Right. So it's like, ah, and those, those things weren't really, wasn't on my radar yet. And so, uh, I did that fight and I was like, bro, that was bullshit. That was super lame. And I started thinking, I'm like, dude, I got a, I got a house by the beach. I got a wife who doesn't work and I got little kids and I'm like, all right. So I was like, I'll see how this whole office thing works while I'm, you know, transitioning. I'm still going to fight. And then while sitting there, I realized like, all right, I'm leaving at three o'clock and now I'm going to go to the gym and train. And I'm like, this isn't what I did to get to become a champion. When I did, I lived and breathed. And I told people I was married to my job. And then I was really married. So I'm like, all right, dude, I don't want to be the jack of all trades and the master of none. I'm like, I got to pick one. And am I going to go turn back and go for a, a run at the belt and UFC? Or am I going to become the best corporate guy that I can? And with the position, position I had wasn't really like a position. So I, I made it one. I became the director of instructor training. Uh, I got bought by UFC gym and I became the senior director of MMA for UFC gyms and traveled around the world. Uh, I, taught, I taught all kinds of stuff from suspension training on TRX to kettlebells, Bulgarian bags, uh, sales, and how to use that to optimize personal training revenue for people like martial artists, right? Because I say a lot of guys that, that do this for a living teach martial arts, they're blinded by passion. So they want to show you everything, but then when it comes to the part where they want to ask you for like, to, maybe you could pay me for it, they get all weird and locked up and like, ah, and then they get mad after a while because they can't make any money doing it. So then they think they have to go get a real job. And then now they're mad because the real job has a boss and the boss is, doesn't train. And they're thinking, oh, I could beat this guy up and he's telling me to do stuff. It's so annoying. And I saw that time and time again. And I was like, hey, dude, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So if you can get them to understand that like, you're investing in yourself, you're investing in a skill set, it's, you know, it's going to help with anxiety and you know physical fitness. There's so many facets to it. So I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, but the one piece of it that I kind of started missing was that competition piece. So I really got into doing gi jiu-jitsu and that kind of helped me kind of quelch that, that, all right, I need to be out doing something, you know, yeah. something competitive, right? Something, all right, let's go and try to choke our friends with their clothes. Right. So speaking of jiu-jitsu, uh, were you always training in the gi quite a bit? By the way, congratulations on, on your black belt, my man. Thank now you're you. a black belt on the ground and on the feet. Uh, but so... <laughs> So has jujitsu, like you said, you're starting to compete now. Did you do that always, or is that something you've just recently picked up? No, I, and I mean, like, but competing was like, hey, I'm going to get into the gym. We're going to roll, and I'm going to get, you know, what what dudes here are good, and let's try to go. And then, hey, what 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 back takes do you got that I haven't seen? Oh, cool, wow. Dude, there's so much stuff out there that I was like, dude, like, this is this is fun. And it kind of kept me coming back, and it humbles you, right? Because yes. I, don't, I don't know any dude out there – they was legitimately trained and trained with good people that walks around thinking these Johnny badass and talks a bunch of shit to people. It ain't happening. Cause then, you know, <laughs> there's always yeah. someone younger, you know, stronger, got more talent. And those dudes usually are like, 
wearing glasses and sweaters and play with their cat. Like they're super chill. And you're like, oh, exactly. Like, you're like, okay. well, those are the hidden killers, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, jujitsu became a, a way of just kind of still staying in the gym, giving me a reason when I go to the gym, not just to lift weights, but to like, Hey dude, I want to get my cardio up too. So maybe I'll swing a kettlebell. Maybe I'll do this and I'll put it on a timer. So I, you know, my heart's going. So it, it's been a, it's been a blessing in disguise, you know, for a guy who's 45 years old and spent my entire life at the gym. Now I can go and do it for fun. So. Oh, right on, right on. Uh, Rob, do you watch fights, uh, current fights at all? You keep up with yeah. the game? Yeah, I, tr I tried you. I tried you. Um, I, I watched. Yeah, it's funny that people are like, dude, you see the last one? And I'm like, dude, which one? There's like, there's like, which, yeah, there's which, one every weekend. <laughs> there's one yeah. every weekend. They're good ones. There's yeah. Good ones. Yeah, this weekend there's going to be another great one. Uh, this past weekend there was a pay per view. I just was looking online and like Jared Cannonier is going to fight. Uh, was he uh Strickland? Oh wow! Yeah, that's going to be a crazy fight. Um, but do you have any current fighters that you like to follow? Well, TJ TJ Dillashaw was on our team on the Ultimate Fighter on season fourteen, so I was I was. I was up watching TJ because he was funny because I was like, dude, this dude's scrappy. And then I was like, this is this is what MMA turned into. That's this, this. This guy does this as a business. He does it and he's got good striking, good good submissions, good wrestling. I was like, dude, this kid. And I was like, oh, wow. Because um, I asked him on the show, what, what are you good at, dude? Like, it was the first day they all had to fight each other to get in the house. I'm like, what are you good at? And I pointed at him and he was like, he looked around and he goes, M MMA? And I'm like, no, come on, come on. Like, we got no shit. But like, what, what's, your, what's your thing? And he was like, MMA. I'm like, oh, fuck, okay. And then I said, who do you train with? And he goes, uh, you're right, Faber. I go, all right, so you're like a wrestler, you grapple? And he goes, yeah, I wrestled a cow. I was like, why didn't you say that, dude? Yeah. But then I saw him in the gym, and I'm like, oh, this dude's got good stand-up. And then I was like, well, he probably, you know. And then I was like, dude, this guy is well-rounded. So I was like, oh, I'm old. <laughs> I'm old <laughs> Because when we got into it, dudes were like good at one, maybe two. Yeah, things. yeah. And then they had they lacked somewhere else. I couldn't see any really holes in his game, and I was like, he was young, so I was like, dude, all right. And I watched him just, you know, even after practice, he jump in, he jump in the, the ice tub, and everyone else was like, dude, I'm not doing that. And, and you know, you can train hard, harder. That guy yeah. was why he became champ. So he was always fun to watch, even though he just did retire. Um, God, there, there's been there's been some guys that I'm like, hmm, these dudes are pretty good. I mean, you can't you can't what's his name in uh, Mighty Mouse and and One FC. Oh that yeah, dude, that dude's a right. Yeah, dude. He, I mean, those two guys be going back and forth, man. But Demetrius is such a monster, man. Like that when he fought, who was it that he was fighting in the UFC that he souped, and in the air he goes for the arm bar before they even hit the ground, man. That was amazing. I know. I just, I just saw that he just did that somewhere else. I think, I, I think, I yeah, I think he did it in one FC again. Yeah, he did that just recently because I was like, oh, dude, that was ridiculous. Like transition, he was like, what the? Yeah, it's amazing, man. That's like what little kids What I would practice if I was a little kid in the room with my cousin or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he's doing it to real people. Rob, <laughs> I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I have one last question for you, my man. Yeah. What advice? Sure. What advice would you give to current up and coming fighters trying to make it to the next level? Oh man. Um, keep a low overhead. You know, I, I see people see people coming, you know, you start any business regardless of what it is. 
if you know you're like i'm gonna fly and i'm gonna go train with the best in the world and they're gonna and i'm gonna do it it's like hey dude that's cool but like you're gonna be in the hole if you get done yeah because <laughs> when yeah. you first start this is you ain't making a lot of money um and i mean unless you're backed by you know some super wealthy parents or sponsor i mean even then it's people are gonna want to get paid back at some point um be an open book and ask a lot of questions you know there was it was it was the times that I just got done teaching and people were kind of in and out and they were leaving and I, I'd grab and, and, and be cool with people. Cause you never know if you burn a bridge, like you can't go past that. You can't walk past that bridge again. I was always trying to be cool with people. I mean, there might be some people out there, but it's going to be a very small few, if any, they're like, ah, like I try to be cool with everyone because everyone has something, especially in this game that you can pick up. And I remember, I can't remember what fight it was. And afterwards, I think I fought Josh Thompson and afterwards, I was pissed because I was like, I'm better than that. He just, he out grappled me. Um, and there was a dude at the gym. I just got done teaching class. His name was Pete. Oh, I'm trying to remember Pete's last name. Super good dude, Mexican dude. And he's like, hey, bro, come check this out. And he wanted to show me. If you get taken down and you and you get side mounted, like pushing the head away and getting that underhook. And he's like, you get that, bro. You're going to get out. So we kept drilling it. And I was like, wait, that was. But that was super easy. Why, why didn't anybody ever show me that before? <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, this is starting to change my game. And then the more I started realizing it, like, hey, dude, like the grappling part, and Tito always said that, hey, dude, if you get people and you get way better at your wrestling part, dudes are going to have to stand with you. He's like, and you're going to be able to KO dudes because you hit hard with every limb. And so it, it was a hard lesson to learn. But when I did learn it, it did my, my career kind of went like that too, right? So it was it was fortunate enough to be. Be an open book. Be cool with people because you never know, right? People want to say, yeah, everyone's tough in this game. So, like, come in with an attitude of, like, eh, right? Uh, just, you know, being able to be talkative, being able to talk, talk to people and, and ask them legitimate questions and be be interested in what they have to say. That, to me, was a, a big a big game changer because I could always go yeah. back and be like, hey, bro, by the way, so-and-so. You know, and that, that's helped me in some more facets in life than anything. It's just, you know, be cool with people, right? Add some value to where you can. If you can't, you don't need to input your 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 thoughts on stuff. It's like, yeah, that's cool, dude. You know, um, learn from people that are better than you, right? Well, I forgot who said it, but it's like you want to train from someone that you're gonna learn from, right? That you can that they're gonna show you stuff and you're gonna be like, oh, cool. You want someone who you're gonna be able to train with that you can that's gonna challenge you to get you to you know to use that stuff on, and they're gonna be able to do it back to you, and then someone you're gonna be able to teach, right? So if you have those three, that kind of keeps you. And and I literally did that unbeknownst to me i would have people that training and then people that i was going to turn around doing privates with and then you know so i had that facet and i was always like i think a lot i learned a lot more a lot faster when i was teaching and i would have been teaching literally before i even started fighting so i think that was a big a big benefit to my career is being cool with people <laughs> having fun doing it because when you're having fun people are like all right and then you know they figure oh you're a fighter so they think they're like either you're like dumb you couldn't do the school thing or something. So like, Oh, Hey, how are you? Like, hey, bro. So I always had, I always had some, some witty comment to say to people and be like, Yeah, hey, what's up? And come to the gym, bro. Wow. Fun. It's a great workout. Bring your kids. So I, I always enjoyed that. I think being cool and, and trying to add, trying to add some value where you could with people. Yeah. yeah. That's probably Just my, my one. Yeah, no doubt, man. That's awesome advice, Rob. Put up, put positive energy out there and it'll come right back. It sounds like. Yeah. For sure. Rob, thank you so much for your time, my brother. This was a true, true honor 
Uh, is there anything, anyone you'd like to mention or thank before we wrap this up? Uh, where can people find you on social media? Um, I'm out at, at Razor OB, R-A-Z-O-R-O-B, right? Razor OB. Um, I'm on Instagram quite a bit, uh, Facebook, at the official Razor Up fan page, um, uh, started Razor Striking System. Uh, got the headquarters at HB Ultimate Training Center here in Huntington Beach. It's a progressionary striking system. The one thing I noticed is everywhere we went, like people would just, how do you know you're good at striking? Right. Uh, how do you know you're good at striking? Oh, well, you didn't get beat up this time. It's like, that's not a good measurement. Um, I have little kids. And so I wanted to ensure that like my legacy was, Hey, they go to a gym that I don't want them to get hurt. So incorporating footwork and self-defense was the, the, the biggest part of it. And then it's all partner drills. So you learn the offense to it. So that, that to me has been a big part of it is the razor striking system. And that's, that's growing, which is awesome. Um, I also have that on and Instagram as well. RSS razor striking system. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always down to chat with people too. I love it when they they shoot a question like like you did yourself. Like, hey, dude. So I'm always down. I'm an open book. I, this is what I do for a living. And I get to train people, and uh, still hang out at the gym and enjoy enjoy my life and my kids before they get too too old and grown up and don't think I'm cool. Right on. Now I doubt that, man. You're cool for life, man. Pretty sure we can stamp <laughs> that, bro. Uh, Rob, thank you so much, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a fantastic training session. And uh, happy holidays to you and your family, bro. Take care. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Night. Later. Later. This is The Motivation.